And we are live. Uh, welcome back to another Mecca moment. Uh, it's Hen and Dobes coming to you live uh, the morning after our first CONCACAF Champions League game, where we defeated Houston Dynamo 2-1 to one at home at City Park. And uh, we just want to do a match reaction. Um, obviously, the first game of the season, the first time that we got to see the boys live. Um, Dobes, let's just start off right away. Uh, how are you doing? Number one and number two, how are you feeling now that it's a couple hours post game? I think one, first off, it was great to be back in city park. Uh, I I think for, for weeks now, I've been looking forward to it. Woke up yesterday morning, feeling like a little kid on Christmas, (laughs) knowing that we were going to get to do it again and knowing that we were going to be, just get to be inside that stadium again. Um, so obviously just electric being back and getting the season going. Um, a little bit, I guess, you know, removed from the game, you know, sort of like 12, 15 hours af- after the game ended. Obviously, right afterwards, you're definitely buzzing just to come off of, you know, any any game, no matter what sport, a 90th minute winner. You can't really sort of beat that feeling, especially being in the supporter section. Um, I'm with the limbs. But sort of looking back, there's definitely some things I'm a little bit concerned about just through the game. Obviously, we had a ton of chances that we created and probably could have scored a few more. At the same time, this wasn't exactly a full-strength Houston side. And we saw them create chances and as well as had a goal rule, ruled out that could have potentially changed the game as well. So obviously happy happy to come away with a win the first game of the season. But definitely some things we needed to improve moving into the weekend. Yeah, for sure. And I'm kind of the same way now that you know the dust has settled and 12 hours has gone by. You're obviously buzzing for Kojima getting that goal. And we'll talk about him in a second. But um, the experience, great. Like, love being back in the stadium. You but can't beat it. Yeah, you just can't. Like, and, and I think what's interesting is we, when we got to our seats, uh, I don't know if it was just because it was a, a CONCACAF game, but it was a little bit empty. Um, and then, like, right before kickoff, the stadium was packed again. Like, it was just. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Griff and I walked into the stadium at 6.55. There, oh, was, really? there was an accident on 40 from Limburg. To so sorry to everybody else because I'm sure that half the stadium is stuck in it from Limburg until Jefferson. It took us 49 minutes. That's insane. So, well, that's so that's why we saw all of a sudden the game is getting ready to start and all of a sudden the thing fl- filled up because Griff and I were both like, "There's a ton of empty seats here." And by like the fifth to tenth minute, it was finally full again. Yeah. Well, thank God. Well, well, let's start off with the lineup. So we did our our predictions of the lineup. Not a single one of us got it right. Um, <laughs> but we started off with with a back five of Berkey, which we knew was going to happen. Markanich played out on the left, Parker and Yarrow, and then Totland. We got to see the debut of Totland. Moving into the midfield, um, we had Durkin, we had Ostruck, we had Indy, and we had Jackson. And then we stuck with the front two of Sam and Klaus. So on paper... Um, not what we expected, but also kind of what we saw through the preseason. Um, start first. I, I I think that it was great to see Totland as that right back. Um, for me, hands down, man of the match. Um, he he was he was everywhere. He was up and back uh, early in the game, putting in that monster slide tackle. Uh, it was great to see. Um, but the back line looked disjointed. I don't know. I don't know about you, but what were your thoughts with the back line? And is it pre? Is it just like shaky first game, or or what's going on? I, I do think it's a combination. One, you're 100 correct. Totland for me, man of the match. Just, just seeing a competent wing back, the way that he is, not only defensively putting in tackles, but he was our best player on the ball last night. We didn't have, we didn't have a ton of of possession, but it almost seemed like every time we did get settled down, it sort of it started with him uh, finding the ball, being willing to to bring the ball down at his feet, find a pass combined. Um, other than that, I, I think it's just sort of the formation as a whole to where 
Oftentimes we saw we got, were getting played through over the top. We were getting played through in behind one-on-ones. We weren't great defensively. And our back four doesn't exactly have like sort of that coverage of a true six to where if you get, if you were to got through or if they got through Ostrock and, and Durkin, like you're just, you know, one-on-one with a, a, our back four and all of a sudden you're in. Um, so not only that, but then you sort of look at out of possession. I was sitting there with, uh, with Griff and we, we were sitting one row for the top. So we had the ability to sort of see the whole field. And every single time that one of our center backs had the ball, their only option on the entire field was either to a wing back or try to play the ball to the corner. Like yeah, it, every, was a six, it was a six yard pass or a 30 yard. Time, it was, it makes it no was sense. Find the, find the wing back. And when, when, when the wing backs found the ball, even they didn't have too many options. So it was kind of like, we're gonna, still going to dump it down the line. We saw Yarrow a few times with sort of finding the ball and not really having an option. So he was just expecting Sam or Klaus to make that run down the line. And it was just so disjointed. So I do think we can kind of sort of figure out the way we want to build a little bit as the season goes. But it was very just frustrating to see us have a decent spell of possession, move it around the back. But there was no connection between the back four and the midfield to the, to the front. To the and front especially side. that first 20 minutes, I think there had to have been something tactically in the first – you know, before the game, Carnell had to have said something about playing that long ball to the right corner. Had to have, because yeah. last season we saw consistently that Josh was one of our, our most solid ball carrying or, or ball progressing center backs. You know, he, we, we, we would put them up there. He's better than Parker at it. He yeah. we didn't really get to see Nilsson too much last season, but the amount of times that he just picked up his head and dumped it to the right corner without anyone really even being there. Totland did it a couple of times. Darkin did it a couple of times. There had to have been something in the game plan that that was the move. And very clearly wasn't. Um, I don't think any of them connected on it. And I think more often than not, the ball just went out for a throw in or a goal kick. I mean, we can't have that. And to your point, exactly. Like I think we really missed in the starting lineup. I think we really missed Leuven connecting the play. Um, we knew that he wasn't going to start um, dealing with the green card, green card stuff. I, I'm, I'm optimistic that he'll be back for uh, Saturday's game against Salt Lake. But, um, you know, I want to touch on Durkin. Durkin came in. Um, I thought he played a, a pretty solid 70 minutes, uh, took off in the 65th, 70th minute for Blom. Um, I was surprised he got taken off. I thought that he was playing really well. He did put in, uh, I think, like one of his first involvements was chasing a guy down 40 yards and putting in a sliding tackle. Way to to endear yourself to a fan base there, brother. Um, But there was a couple of times where he, he broke up play. He found these really quick outlet passes. And then there were times, too, where he looked up and there was not a single person to play the ball to. So, so tactically... Hoover Hoover will beat this, you know, drum until he's dead of just like the narrow formation makes no sense. And I know that a picture or a screenshot doesn't doesn't tell the story of the game, but I can't tell you how many times last night when when my buddy Dylan and I were watching the game, we were like, there's literally no one in the left third of the field. No one. You could throw a big blanket over over our our squad, and you have when you have guys like AZ and Indy that more so like to kind of play through the middle and drift through the middle and be creative, and those are supposed to be your two options wide. One, it's probably tactically it's the way Carnell is trying to set it up, but two, too many times they were both inside. Oftentimes, one should go inside, one should stay a little bit wider to sort of keep that width. But consistently, you would see it, and it would and it would hurt us defensively. 
Because if we were to lose the ball high up the field in, in possession, AZ would be pinched in and Indy would be pinched in. All it took was one to two passes, and all of a sudden our flanks were wide open. And yeah. you have Jao Klaus, you have Big Sam, you have your two front players are making like 60-yard runs. I can't even tell you how many times that I saw Jao Klaus or Big Sam like 20 yards away from our center backs or our yeah. wing backs because they had to do that role, which, yes, it's great to see the work rate from them. That's not the role that I think we as fans want to see those guys playing is having to do that that dirty work. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think it's easy to come on here and be critical because we can, you know, armchair expert this whole thing and say you should have done this, you should have done that. So let's get into a little bit of, of the positives that we saw because there, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all bad. We, we came away with a win. We saw some big moments. So what stands out to you last night in terms of like solid performances or things to build on, uh, players that you saw stand out well? Like give me some positives that you took away from last night. I think I think Tot, we mentioned it, but Totland's the big one for for me. Obviously, having tried to watch as as many little like comps on YouTube as well as you can of him and, and seeing him just briefly in preseason. Um, like I said, he he was the calming presence on the ball for us. He he created a ton. Um, was was willing to put was willing to put in a tackle. You could definitely tell he had a whip. He had a whip on him as well. Um, I think I think another one you have to give credit. Durkin's another one. I I do want to see Durkin in a midfield with a Lewin or with a Blom more because I just think that Durkin does have that aspect where he, he is one of those guys loves to put in a tackle, not afraid to. But he also, like we saw it in preseason, he can kind of ping a little bit. He can mm-hmm. pass within progressions. And him and him and Ostrock never really, like there's a few sort of different spells where he had possession, but he never really got going. Um, and then, you know, the, the front two, it's, it's hard to compliment them, I guess, because we didn't really have, you know, I guess a ton created from like buildup. But Klaus, Klaus should have scored um, on that one chance. And I have to give Big Sam credit, even though, you know, he didn't really necessarily do a ton in, in, in hold-up play and, you know, one and two-touch passing and build-up. He hit the post twice, and it was mm-hmm. almost out of nothing. And the players that, you know, can sort of create that chance out of nothing are going to be important. Um, and he should have, you know, he should have scored, I think, on, on one of them at least. But, you know, positives, I think, for me, you also have to go with Kojima. Mm-hmm. Like have to what what a debut! Uh, since I watched him in the first preseason game, kid was si- officially signed yesterday. Came on in the 86th minute. Like you, student of the game, you want to be able to make your mark, no matter if it's a tackle, no matter if it's a goal, no matter what it is. It's like you want to let the fans know that you're here to stay. And he did that. He came onto the game. You could instantly see him sort of with the hands, like it's one one, like let's go, boys. And then from there, a tackle on the box and a finish and a knee side in the corner and. You know, all of a sudden he's a professional, his professional career. Yeah, and you're a legend. You're a legend. Yeah, a legend. It's like that. So, I mean, a few positives, but I think overall there's still a couple of worrying points, but definitely some positives to take. Yeah, and and, and I think uh, winning ugly, three points is three points. How many times yeah. have we said that, you know, on this podcast? And in the group stage of a CONCACAF Champions League, does this game give me the confidence that we're going to go and win the league? Absolutely not. Uh, but three points is three points. I you, you touched on Durkin. You touched on Totland. I'll give Kojima his flowers as well. Uh, you know, Kojima, I don't know why you would be, but if you're listening to this podcast, respond to your DMs, bro. I, uh, I reached out to him uh, <laughs> midday yesterday because after we got the signing, uh, after he officially signed, I like went through his Twitter and looked at him and the guy's just, he's a footy nerd. It, he's like our kind of guy. He's like retweeting tactical breakdowns of games. He's looking at stats and analysis. Like he's one of us. Truly, he's one of us. Yeah. And so I sent him a little DM to be on the pod. Uh, and then of course he goes on and scores the game winner last night in, 
sure his DMs are flooded. But um, I think one of the things that stands out to me most about him is we watched we watched Ostruck play that position for 86 minutes or however long he 70 minutes, whatever it was, and was a ghost. The entire game was a ghost. And then Kojima walks on the field, moves Blom out of the position, literally pushes him out of position saying, get anywhere else. And then he goes on and obviously does what he does. If he doesn't get that game winner, are we talking about him today like that? I don't know. Like, I think we're saying good for him to get the minutes, but, um, we'd be remiss not to mention the fact that he scores that game winner and does tell the crowd, you know, like, Hey, I'm here. (laughs) Knee slides, unreal legend. Um, Moving on to the cons, some worrying aspects. Uh, I'll start off with the front two um, before I, before I throw it to you. Uh, We mentioned in our pre preseason preview, the front two does not work and, and I will beat this drum as much as I can. Sam and Klaus together do not work. And perhaps it's a product of the way that we want to play. And we mentioned earlier that, we're just trying to dump balls to the corner and it's not, it's just not doing it. But those two, they don't combine. It's literally like they're isolated nines trying to play with the rest of the team, but together they don't do anything. Um, Yes. Sam hit the post twice. And I think people will get distracted by that and think that that was a good performance or think that, you know, he brought something to the game and granted that that ball's two inches to the right and it goes in. He's the hero of the game, but those two just don't work together. And they're so incredibly disjointed that if we think as fans that that's, what's going to bring us success this season, I think that we're, I I think we're in for a long, long, long season. I I think, and it's not only offensively for me because so much of it seemed like we were relying on a a deep ball from one of our center backs or a wing back or Berkey and just one of the big guys to flick it on and somebody to run it onto it never really worked in terms of like out of possession finding somebody. But I think more concerning to me is sort of the defensive shape that we took with this 4-4-2. When we're pressing up the field, like we saw a ton of times where we did win the ball back higher up the field. AZ's work rate, mm-hmm. um, Klaus work, Klaus's work rate. But the concerning aspect to me is once that sort of Houston got a little bit of a spell of possession, they can knock the ball around the back four. It took one pass for them to beat the line of our front two. You have Big Sam and you have um, obviously Klaus, who were two guys who were kind of used to being as a, as a lone nine, I would say. And one of them is having to sort of do that role of dropping as a 10 defensively. But these guys, and this isn't like a fitness thing. It's just more so like they're not guys that like have a crazy amount of stamina that can just run for 90 minutes. And Klaus will do it. We saw him put in a couple tackles a few different moments, but in that role, you kind of need somebody to be able to be in that 10 spot defensively to make it tough to play through. Because Griffin and I were sitting there watching the game, and it took two passes, and all of a sudden, they were they beat the lines. Like, they beat the lines, and all of a sudden, they were combining, and then you have the the, the sort of narrow um, of our wingers. And all of a sudden, it was one pass out wide, and they're coming down our wing with not necessarily a potential chance. But then you see center backs have to get stretched to recover, and it was just one, two, three passes that made that happen. And that's that 4-4-2 four, four, that – I think you have to be willing to sort of make an adjustment. And yes, we got later into the game and the formation didn't really change, but I think just introducing fresh legs gave us some more, um, I guess like oomph in the midfield, if you want to say, but it's concerning when you look at trying to play a team like LAFC or even a sporting or teams that will play that can possess the ball. We will get just played through like crazy. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a dynamo team that missing a ton of guys 
that even made us look pedestrian in multiple moments during that game last night. They didn't necessarily capitalize, but they very well could have. And the one moment they did get a break, they did end up tying the game, and all of a sudden it's bang bang. It's like we should have it should be four one. Instead, it's one one, and you're and you're struggling through a game. So I think yeah. the formation and the way that we press high up the field, it works. But the moment that they beat that first line and we try to sit in a four four two, it's very easy to play through us. Yeah, the 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 goal that happened, their goal, we missed two tackles leading, yeah. leading two of them. And the only, only bad thing you can say about Totland kind of the whole game was that was the tackle he put in, but the some one of Markanovich or him half the win. That, that's the thing. And 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 what's weird is we saw the slide tackle earlier in the game that it was a perfect slide tackle from him. It was a European slide tackle. It was literally everything that you want. And I do back him that if he puts in that tackle at the halfway line ten times, he connects eight of them. You know, it, it and it just is what it is, but from a soccer IQ perspective, Markanich comes in as that second tackle. You got to draw the foul or you got to connect with the ball. Clear just, them out. Just take a yellow, take a yellow, walk is back. what it is. You know, yeah. it, it just is what it is. It's the soccer IQ. And, and perhaps that's where it's the first season of the game or they're a little rusty from last season. I don't know, but you got to figure that out to your point. You brought up a good comp with LAFC dynamo broke away on one chance just cleared cleared the lines and broke through, scored. And LAFC's like unbelievable on the counter. A lot yeah. of teams are great on the counter. It's four four two isn't going to work. Um, I want to ask your opinion on someone that that we actually didn't hit on too much on the preseason preview. Um, but Vasilev, he he started the game. He kind of got banged around a little bit. Maybe broke his wrist last night. We don't know. We'll find out later this week. But what's your what's your thought on not only his performance last night, but is he going to be one of the guys that's an influential member of the team this season or a uh, good backup? What are your thoughts? I, I love Indy because I think he's, I think he's a great player out of possession. I think he combined, as you saw last night with the set piece for the Parker goal, him like waving Carl Carnell off to not bring Blom in so he could hit that perfect set piece. I, I'm just not sure where he should play. Yeah. I, I think is the thing because to me, he's not an out and out winger. He's not exactly like the paciest guy in the world to where he can just straight up touch a ball around somebody and um, and get by him. But I think he has that ability to where if he you put him in a situation in the midfield where he's playing with guys who are great on the ball, like he's a guy that I think can combine and, and make us make us dangerous with, with some wingers. But I think the thing is I'm not really sure where to use him. Obviously, last year we've seen him off the left. We've seen him kind of floating as an 8-10 role. Obviously, we saw him off the right. So I don't really necessarily know where to use him. I think if that's kind of the issue we have with a ton of these guys right now is I think we have a lot of great players. Our depth is, is I think, greater than it was last year. But I don't know where to use Indy. You know, I, I, yeah. rate him, I rate him highly. He's great out of possession. He can whip a set piece in. You can never question his work rate. He'll work both ways. But I don't know where to use him or to get the best out of him, to be honest. Yeah, I, I was surprised that he didn't start where Ostruck started. Like, we I saw him. We I saw thought that. We saw him play that eight role so many times last year, and I just yeah. don't, I don't know why. And it is something that per- potentially is a little bit nervy going forward that we're we're just going to obsess in this narrow formation, um, and Indy's going to be like an inverted winger, for lack of better terms. I don't like it. Um, but before we move on to the look ahead to to Salt Lake, if you were to rate Carnell one to ten, six being your average, what do you rate Carnell um, as, as the manager last night? I, I think that the way that we started, it's like you kind of want to give him like a five, but I think the fact that he did make the subs and it directly let like 
the Kojima sub, he's obviously a guy that if he didn't play, we can sit there and be like, rookie, just signed, CONCACAF Cup game, don't need to play him. He did bring him in, give him that chance, and it panned out, and he did score. You know, also, you know, bringing on Celio, I know that Celio didn't exactly like, it didn't lead directly to the goal, but he got to the byline, crossed it. So he did kind of make those adjustments, if you want to give him a little bit of credit, of bringing those subs in to kind of change and go out and win the game. So I think it's kind of like a, a six and a half or, you know. Yeah, like, I think like, a six and a half is fair. You know? Yeah, I, I, I think. Win. You know, you deserve credit when we win. And he made the adjustments, even though we weren't thrilled with the formation, the style, mm-hmm. and the way we were playing. We won the game. Yeah, and the small one of the other small like adjustments that he made at halftime, uh, and it's worth noting is we started our press higher um, on restarts. So earlier in the game, uh, we backed off a lot, especially when their keeper had the ball, their center backs had the ball. We we backed off quite a bit, and then in the second half, we saw a little bit more of a high pressure. Uh, There's a couple opportunities where there was a goal kick. Um, and they did the same goal kick routine that we did where the center back takes it, plays it short to the the keeper. Um, but in the second half, you know, Sam and Klaus started their press at the 18 yard box. So that led to a couple turnovers a lot. And that was a, a halftime adjustment and you got to give credit where credit's due there. But um, I don't, I don't, I don't think we could give any higher than a six and a half. And what, what's going to be unfortunate is if we go through this season, not really being able to give him higher that simply from the formation alone. Um That'll be unfortunate, but but heading into Real Salt Lake, uh, Connor Sandobri, you're the manager of St. Louis City. It's a blank slate. You get to play the lineup that you want to play. How are you lining up against Real Salt Lake, uh, and what do you want to see differently from this team on Saturday? Uh, it all, a lot of it kind of depends on on Nielsen and just where his fit where his fitness is. I, I do think that, and obviously we love Josh. Josh kind of struggled for the first you know twenty thirty minutes, and then did settle in and end up having a a, be, a better second half. Um, depending on Nielsen, it, it's kind of tough to, to decide. Um, obviously, Totland's one of the first names on the team sheet, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Guy has to play. Um, I would assume it's probably going to be Yarrow and Parker again. I could see us switching up the the left side of potentially bringing Dyer in. Um, then again, you, you never really know with Carnell. And, th- and then I would love to see, honestly, I'd love to see a combination of either uh, Blom and Durkin or Lewin and Durkin or however they want to set this up. I guess if we're committed to this 4-4-2, it would probably end up being Blom and, and Lewin, I guess, if, if Carnell were just to roll with his, you know, I guess the, the what he knows. But I would love to see any sort of combination of, of Durkin and Lewin or even all three of them, to be honest. Like if we mm-hmm. could do a formation of have Blom and, and Durkin as sort of two deep-lying sixes and, or Durkin as kind of an eight. I know that we heard Lewin last year say he doesn't necessarily like to play as a 10, but I do think that that could be – um, that could be something that we should look into. If we are committed to the four four two, I bet you it's going to be Blom and um, and Lewin. Mm-hmm. And then out wide, I think it's Az is going to play. He has to play. I still don't think his best position is as a winger out wide. I, I kind of want him in the middle to be more creative, to be on the ball. And we saw last night he kind of has that free reign to, if he sees something, he goes. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of go, goes wherever he can, goes wherever he wants to, goes wherever he can. Um. I bet you it is Indy out, out wide. Like, I don't think we necessarily had a, somebody come in, depending on his wrist, of course. Oh, yeah. Other than that, anybody come into that game and say, hey, I'm going to earn this this wide spot. I think it's probably going to be the same front two up top. Like, yeah. it's not necessarily what I want. But I also think it's just Carnell being like, hey, like we, we won the game. Maybe we took a few different things. Maybe we can change change a little bit the way we play out of possession. But we won the game, and I think he's going to stick with it as much as I do want to see, some, see some change. Yeah, I, I see Leuven for Ostruck. Uh, as probably 
probably the one change that he makes unless Indy's wrist is broken and they yeah. do need to set it for a couple of days before he can wrap it and play. Um, Markanich, I think, did well enough to to start again. And the thing is that's nice about this is like we actually have depth with Dyer. So it's not like Markanich has to play because all you have is Johnny Nelson and you know that it's not going to be yeah. great. Um, so if, the, if, if the competition could be there with Dyer, I, I think that's, that's good, but I, I think Leuven comes in for Ostruck. I think it's just going to happen. Um, but we'll see the formation that we play. Um, and, and Saturday we go again. I think that but before we sign off and, and I know that like, we're, we're kind of bringing it back to last night's game and I know it's definitely going to be a factor, um, coming up into the MLS, but the officiating, man, holy shit, dude, dude the, the officiating and not just like. The ref last night was was horrible. But if I have to sit in a stadium where it takes seven to ten minutes to tell me that somebody's offsides, like I, I don't like. I, I was sitting next to Griffin. I was like, "Is this is what it's like at Old Trafford when they're waiting yeah. to see if there's a like this?" Because it was insane. Yeah, like it, it took five five minutes to to for VAR to to clarify if he was offsides. But not only that, dude. It was the missed calls in the middle of the field. It was throw-ins that weren't actually throw-ins. It was it was all over the field to where you see you see Lewin come into the game for I think he was in the game for five minutes without him screaming directly in the referee's yes. face. Just like so, I'm curious, especially with the backup refs this this next week, and the, the officiating is going to be one to watch. It's going to be terrible, and 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 I think the the crowd's going to get hostile real quick. Um, but yeah, like to the point, like the first VAR call, um, I did call it off offsides, like immediately, like it was, it was I that second they showed like the kind of bang, bang replay. Cause yeah. I, I for sure that by the way, unreal ball across yeah, the box. Totally. I knew he was on, so I didn't, I didn't, there was a flag in front of course. So I didn't actually get to see the direct like flick on, but then when they showed the replay instantly, he's like, Oh yeah, it has to be. Yeah, so so there was that. But then like literally the VAR check took anywhere between five to ten minutes. It was greater than five, it wasn't quite ten, and they add six minutes on. So there was that. And then the guy I think tore his ACL for Houston completely away from the play. Shout out to that guy. Sorry about it. Got stretched off. That sucks ass. Um but then yeah, we add six minutes at the end of the half. And I'm like, that doesn't even account for I know. one one of the things that happened. So it's just shambolic. We need to see. We need this. Isn't like a critique on City Park, but the moment that they're reviewing, toss it on the screen. Like, d- don't wait until we're five minutes in to be like they're reviewing something because literally we're all sitting there. Like, is it VAR? Is it not VAR? Like, are we yeah. starting? Are we not starting? What are they reviewing? Like, because <laughs> you couldn't tell. Me. I didn't know there was like a, a handball or something that may have happened in the box that they're reviewing. I kind of knew nothing. So get that up on the screen and at least let the fans know what's going on because we're sitting there like. I don't even care if it's a goal or not. I just want the ball to get back and play at this moment. Like It's unbelievable. Um, well, we'll see us again on Saturday. Uh, 7.30 kickoff against Real Salt Lake at City Park. Um, we'll hit you live on um, on Tuesday's episode with our match reaction as well. Um, Dobes, thanks for being on here. Uh, St. Louis City fans, you'll catch us again this weekend. Um, and as a reminder, uh, promo code MECCA20, that's M-E-C-C-A 20, for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped. Um, And cheers, fella. We'll see you again soon. Cheers, bruv.